Section 10 of Kopal Kundala. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Christine Rucker. Kopal Kundala by Bankim Chandra Chatterjee. Translated by H.A.D. Phillips. Part 1, Chapter 8. In the Hermitage. In that pitch-dark Amabosia night, the two fugitives hastily entered the forest. Noble Kumar did not know the jungle paths, and all he could do was to follow the lead of his fair companion of sixteen. But owing to the forest and the darkness, he lost sight of her now and again, as the young girl ran in one direction and he in another. The girl told him to catch hold of her skirt, which Noble Kumar did. They gradually came along with soft footsteps. Nothing was visible in the darkness except that now and again the white summit of some sand hill was dimly seen in the light of stars, and here and there the limbs of some tree covered with fireflies. Kopal Kundala came with our traveler to a secret forest. It was then midnight. In front could be seen in the darkness the dome of a very lofty temple, and near it a house encompassed with a brick wall. Kopal Kundala approached a door in the wall and knocked at it. After she had knocked several times, a voice from within said, Who is it? Kopal Kundala, I suppose? Kopal Kundala said, Open the door. The speaker opened the door. He was the Sebak or Adhikari, of the goddess to whom the temple was consecrated. His age was over fifty. Kopal Kundala took his head of scanty locks in her hands, drew his ear near her mouth, and in a few words explained the situation of her companion. The Adhikari buried his head in his hand and began to ponder. At last he said, This is a very difficult matter. The great man can accomplish whatever he wishes, however that may be. By the favor of the mother, no harm will befall you. Where is the man? Kopal Kundala beckoned Noble Kumar to approach. Noble Kumar, who had been standing in a corner outside, entered the house. The Atikari said to him, Conceal yourself here for today. Tomorrow morning I will show you the road to Midnapur. In the course of conversation, the Atikari came to know that Noble Kumar had not yet eaten anything he commenced to make preparations for his food, but Noble Kumar was very loath to eat, and only asked for a resting place. The Adhikari prepared a bed for Noble Kumar in his own cookhouse, and when the latter had gone to lie down, Kopal Kundala got herself ready to return to the seashore. The Adhikari looked at her affectionately, and said, Don't go. Wait a minute. I have a favor to ask you. Kopal Kundala, what is it? Adhikari, I have called you mother ever since I have known you. I can touch the feet of the goddess and swear that I love you more than a mother. You must not refuse my request. Kopa, I won't. Adhi, my request is this, that you should not return there. Kopa, why? Adhi, if you do, you will certainly be killed. Kopa, I know that. Adhi, then why do you ask me? Kopa, if I don't go there, where am I to go? Adhi, go with this traveler to another country. 
Hopakundala remained silent. The Adhikari said, Mother, what are you thinking about? Kopa, when your disciple came here, then you said that it was not right for a young woman to go with a young man. Why then do you tell me to do so now? Adhi, then I had no fears for your life, nor had I any good plan for your escape. Now a good opportunity offers. Come let us take the permission of the mother. So saying, the Adhikari, light in hand, went to the entrance of the temple and opened the door. Kopal Kundala, too, went with him. In the temple was a life-size statue of the destroyer, Kali, to which both of them reverently bowed down. The Adhikari washed his body and plucked an entire bale leaf from a vessel of flowers, and having sanctified it with mantras, he placed it at the feet of the image and looked at it. Then, after a moment, he said to Kopal Kundala, Look, mother, the goddess has accepted the offering. The bale leaf has not fallen. The purpose for which I gave the offering will of a surety turn out well. You may go without fear with this traveler, but I am well aware of the character and customs of people of the world. If you go in close companionship with this man, he will be put to shame in society for taking an unknown young woman with him. You too will be looked down upon. You have told me that he is a Brahmin youth, and I have seen the sacrificial thread on his neck. If he marries you and takes you, then all will be proper. Otherwise, I too could not advise you to go with him. Marries me? Kopal Kundala uttered this word very softly and said, I have heard the word marriage from your mouth, but I don't exactly know what it is. What shall I have to do? The Adhikari said with a smile, For women, marriage is the only stepping stone to religion. For this reason, a wife is called Shahadahamini. Even the mother of the world is the wife of Shiva. The Adhikari thought he had explained everything, and Kopal Kundala thought she understood everything. She said, Let it be so, but I do not feel inclined to abandon him who has supported me for so long. Adhi, don't you know why he has supported you? Don't you know that the Tantric's mission is only accomplished by destroying the chastity of a woman? I too have studied the Tantras. Mother Jugadamba is the mother of the earth. She's the quintessence of chastity, the queen of chaste women. She never accepts worship that consists of destroying chastity. It is for this reason that I am thwarting the desire of the great man. If you flee, he will never be ungrateful. It is only because the proper moment has not yet arrived that you have hitherto escaped destruction. Considering what you have done today, there is fear for your life. Therefore, I tell you to flee. This, too, is Bobani's order. So go. If I had the means of keeping you back, I would do so. But you know I cannot. Kopa, let it be marriage, then. After this conversation, they both came out of the temple. The Atikari seated Kopal Kundala in one room, and then, going to Noble Kumar's bed, he sat down by his pillow and said, Are you asleep, sir? Noble Kumar was not in the mood for sleep. He was thinking of his lot and replied, No, sir. 
The Adhikari said, I have come to ask you who you are. Are you a Brahmin? Nope. Yes. What class? Rari. Adhi. We are also Rahi Brahmins. Do not suppose I am an Orissa Brahmin. Our family are astrologers, though I am now a servant of the mother. What is your name? Nob. Noble Kumar Sarma. Your country? Septagram. What village? Boyakati. How many wives have you? One only. Noble Kumar did not reveal everything, for as a matter of fact, he had not even one wife. He had married Padmabhati, the daughter of Ram Gobind Kosal. After the marriage, Padmabhati remained for some time in her father's house and now and then used to visit her father-in-law's house. When she was 13 years of age, her father had taken his whole family to Puristam on a pilgrimage. At that time, Pathans, driven out of Bengal by Akbar Shah, were living with their followers in Orissa. Akbar set on foot a regular attempt to subjugate them, and at the time Ramagobind Gosal was returning from Orissa, the war between the Mughals and the Pathans had commenced. As he was on his return journey, he fell into the hands of the Pathans, who at that time were quite uncivilized. For the sake of money, they maltreated the innocent traveler. Ram Gobind was somewhat hot-tempered and spoke harshly to the Pathans, the result of which was that he was put in prison with his family. In the end, he obtained his release by abandoning his own religion and along with his family became a Muslim. Ram Gobind Gosal and his family got home with their lives, it is true, but being Muslims, they were utterly outcasted by their own society. At this time, Noble Kumar's father was alive and he accordingly had to abandon the outcast daughter-in-law along with her outcast father. So it was that Noble Kumar never knew his wife. Abandoned by his kinsmen and outcast from society, Ram Gobind Kosal could not remain long in his own society. Partly for this reason and partly from a desire for promotion through the king's favor, he went with his family to the capital Raj Mahal and began to reside there. He and his family had adopted Mohammedan names along with their change of religion. What became of his father-in-law or his wife after they had gone to Raj Mahal, Nobukumar had no means of knowing and up to this time did not know anything. From disappointment, Nobukumar did not marry again and this is why I have said that Nobukumar had not even one wife. The Adhikari was not aware of all this. He thought, what harm is there in a Kulin having two wives? He said openly to Noble Kumar, I came to ask you something. This girl who has saved your life has ruined herself for another's benefit. The great man under whose care she lives is of a terrible disposition, and if she returns to him, she will fare as you were about to. Can you suggest any remedy for this? Noble Kumar sat up and said, I too was anxious on that account. You know everything. Do you devise some remedy? If I can benefit her by giving up my life, I am willing even to do that. 
I am determined to return and give myself up to that murderer. By doing so, I shall save her life. The Atikari laughed and said, You are a fool. What will be the good of that? You too will be killed, while the great man's resentment toward her will not in any way be diminished. There is but one remedy for this. Nob, what is that? Adhi, for her to flee with you. But that is very difficult. If you remain with me, you will be captured in a day or two. The great man constantly visits this temple, so that I see misfortune in store for Kopokundala. Nobu Kumar eagerly asked, What is the difficulty in her fleeing with me? Ati, you do not know whose daughter she is, or from what family sprung, whose wife, or what her character. Will you make her your companion, and if you take her with you, will you give her a shelter in your own home? And if you don't do so, where is the orphan to go to? Nobu Kumar pondered for a moment and said, Nothing is impossible to me for the sake of my life's preserver. She shall remain with me as my wife. Ati, good. But when your kinsmen and relatives ask you whose wife she is, what will you say? Noble Kumar again thought and said, Do you tell me all about her, and I will tell them that. Ati, good. But on the other hand, how can a young man and a young woman go alone together? What will people say? How will you explain the matter to your kinsfolk and relatives? And I, who call this girl mother, how am I to send her alone to a distant country with a young man of whose character I know nothing? The king of the Gataks was not a bad hand in his profession. Noble Kumar said, Come with us. Adi, I go with you, then who will perform the worship of Bobani? Noble Kumar was vexed and said, Well then, can't you hit upon some plan? Adi, there is only one plan, and that depends on your noble-mindedness. Nope, what is that? I will consent to anything. Tell me your plan. Adi, listen, this girl is a Brahmin's daughter. I know all about her history. She was kidnapped in her infancy by cruel Christian pirates, and being shipwrecked, they abandoned her on this seashore. She will tell you all about that hereafter. The Kapalik got hold of her and was bringing her up for the accomplishment of his vows, and in no long time he would have succeeded in his purpose. The girl is yet a virgin, and her character is thoroughly pure. Do you marry her and take her to your home? No one will be able to say anything, for I will marry you according to the Shastras. Noble Kumar started up from his bed and hastily began to walk to and fro. As he made no reply, the Atikari waited a moment and said, Go to sleep now. Tomorrow morning I will arouse you. If you like, you can go alone. I will put you on the road to Midnapur. So saying, the Atikari took leave. As he went, he muttered to himself, Can it be that I have forgotten the Gatkali of my native land? Footnote. The month is divided into two halves, the light half and the dark half of the moon. The Amabosia is the last day of the dark half, 
that is the darkest night of the month. End of footnote. Footnote. Sebak, he who does seba or worship a priest. The word seba also means any service. A wife is said to serve her husband well. The sweeper speaks of his occupation as ganye seba, service for the village. End of footnote. Footnote. The mother, i.e. Kali or Durga, goddesses are frequently spoken of and addressed as mother, as for instance, the Ganges, Gangama. End of footnote. Footnote. Parents frequently address their children affectionately as mother and father. In Orissa, old women sometimes address young girls with whom they are on familiar terms as Musi, aunt. And Brahmin children call their mothers Bo or Bohu, which means daughter-in-law or the young girl of the family. End of footnote. Footnote. Shaha Dhamini literally, she who worships along with her husband. Nowadays, the wife may almost be called the husband's substitute in matters of worship. On religious holidays, the men of the educated class do not do puja, but leave their womankind to do it. Just as in England, the wife often goes to church for herself and husband also. Women of the upper and middle classes make pilgrimages to Kia and Kasi Benares and offer up the Pindas, sacrificial cakes, for their own as well as for their husband's ancestors. And such puja is supposed to be as or nearly as efficacious as if performed by their husbands. End of footnote. Footnote. Purstam or Puri, where is the temple of Jagannath? Hither resort from all parts of India except the extreme south the worshippers of Vishnu. The temple and worship were originally Buddhist, as is evident from several peculiarities that, that still exist. For instance, the sweet meal or Mahaprasad, sold at the temple, may be carried away by a man of low caste, and then eaten even by a Brahmin. I believe the fact of its passing through the hands of a Mussulman would not prevent the holiest of Hindus from eating it. End of footnote. Footnote. A gatak is a sort of marriage monger or broker who arranges marriages and gets a fee from both sides. He is supposed to know the history and genealogy of different families. End of footnote. End of section 10.